0: Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activize, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman, where you can find their products on Amazon.com. I'm Mike Riley, everybody, and this podcast is not only about you finding your finish line at a race or an event, But in life, I'll talk to people from all walks of life that have overcome hurdles to be able to get to where they are today, to be able to get to that finish line. And my guest today, I'm very excited to have on. She's a person who has overcome some pretty big odds in her life to get to where she's at today. She's a five-time Ironman finisher. She was fourth in her age division in Kona in 2019. Last year in 2021, she won her age division at Ironman New Zealand. Let's welcome Nikki Matthews. Hello, Nikki.
1: Hi, Mike, how are you?
0: I am fantastic and thank you very much for being on you're an inspiration and and selfishly I'm I, I'm just so happy to have a Kiwi on because <laughs> I want to get man New Zealand back in March again but who knows so you, you may be the closest I get
1: <laughs> yeah we, we we're still guessing here too and I really feel for the teams especially the New Zealand teams you know trying to pull everything together over the last couple of years it's it's been hard I think for athletes and um and the race organizers as well it's been a a few tough years for everyone, but I mean, hell, if you can do Iron Man,
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Before I jump into everything and and your background, I I said when we were off the air that when you finished in two thousand nineteen in Kona, you came in with like, I swear, ten or twelve guys were around you and. And I didn't hear myself say your name, so hopefully I called you an Ironman when you did come across in 2019. Congratulations on that.
1: (laughs) Thank you, it was pretty pretty delusional as you come across that line, to be honest. And clearly I just need to be a little bit faster so I can come across the line by myself instead of with a group. So I remember that for next time.
0: Yeah, I know, when you go as fast as you did, just over 10 hours, your type of athlete doesn't like to wait by the side to come in by themselves, so oh, they get no. the finish line by themselves. So yeah, that'll you, never happen. If you
1: see my video, I kind of push my way through, arms in the air, take my moment. You never know if it's going to happen again, right? So <laughs> yeah,
0: ex- exactly, exactly. Well, anorexia, you know, yeah. in the <laughs> in the dictionary, it's is defined as an eating disorder caused. You know, uh, causing people to to obsess about their weight and and what they eat and yep. and how they look, and that short definition just doesn't do justice to the long term effects of of that disease, does it?
1: No, it's um it's actually one of the highest mortality rates of a mental disease um there is, and I think um that in itself is means that it just should be just just should be talked about more, and it's very prevalent among woman and it often gets seen around women, but it's also prevalent among among males as well. So I think um it definitely needs to be talked about. It's often um it's often seen as something that you should be able to control by the general public, which is um, you know, I mean, you know, alcohol, you just stop drinking, but it's not like eating, just start eating. it's a whole raft of things and it yeah, it's it's very simplified but um, yeah. it's very, very intricate. But um, I've certainly come a long way and learnt a lot and physically a lot better now. Obviously, now I can compete in, in Ironman, but there's still the mental battle that goes on. Um, and I guess, you know, through the triathlon, it, it, you face those mental battles all the time, regardless right. if you have, um, you know, an eating disorder or drugs or alcohol or self-harm or anything like that. you, you you face those mental battles when you train. So it's a great way to learn about yourself and how to overcome, you know, certain obstacles.
0: Yeah. And, and Nikki, it's, it's that misnomer of the mental disease where people say like eating, Hey, well just, you know, make sure you think. eat more. You'll be yeah. okay. Yeah. Or, or, you know, mental and, 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 uh, Oh, just think positively. You'll be okay. And <laughs> People don't realize that, you know, a lot of people do, but a lot don't, that the mental disorder is, is a cancer in its own right. And you started feeling that at 15 years old as a young woman and, uh, and for 15 years you battled it. The 15 years didn't go by fast, but when you look back now, was there any time to where you thought, you know what, I I don't know if I want to die or if I want to live? There were
1: plenty, plenty of of moments like that, and plenty of nights you would go to bed, and I would part of me would be like, it'd be just kind of good if I died in my sleep. It'd make no. life easier for everyone else because you could see how it affects everyone around you, um, and also how tiring it makes yourself that you're constantly bat- battling. So there were many times I was like, it'd be kind of nice just to not wake up and and just die just have it over yeah. yeah but then you wake up in the morning you're like yep yeah, okay finding another day well here we go um but yeah 15 years is a long time and i kind of don't even realize it's been f- 15 years um it's just i guess i still feel like i'm still learning um and it's not just about food but just the way i handle myself or I handle situations and and i'm 41 now but um <laughs> Physically I often don't do things that a normal 41 year old would do. Um, and I guess that's that's the beauty of just not pinning an age on anything either, that you can, you know, it's all in the mind.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting when uh I someone like yourself looks back and you go, My gosh, it's been fifteen years, but I I, I don't know where it went, but <laughs> I do know where it went. But what's refreshing is it's still an everyday process. It's not like yeah. you're healed and okay. Let's move forward. Is it?
1: No. It's. Um. I mean, it's for for me. The eating disorder was very much a protective mechanism, and it protected me from um, kind of like emotional bullying, um, uncertainty in my life, um, not feeling self confident, um, just the lack of of self-confidence that i had to go forward in the world as me and i didn't know who me was at that point um so at that age you know we're still trying at 15 you're still trying to figure out you know yeah. what you stand for um am i attractive to other people am i saying the right things at that age you're also having to choose you know career paths and there's a whole lot of ambiguity in your life at that point and um i had a lot of teasing as well and kind of um I guess you could say, emotional bullying um, amongst girls rather than physical. And so I kind of used the eating disorder to to shut that all off and protect me and just focus um, on the things that I could control and the things that um, I could feel good about. Um, And so now when those external factors arise, it's often easy to go back to those old behaviours. And so it's very much a... Hang on, stop. Check what are the other methods that I have to prevent me from you know self harming in terms of eat, um, you know starving or purging or whatever it is, and that can be the same with with anyone with a kind of you know self harm or alcohol. You've got to have other mechanisms in play, um, and one of the big ones for me, one of my outlets is training. Um, I just need to make sure I continue to do that in a healthy way.
0: Well, Nikki, when you looked in the mirror back then, if you can explain it at all, what did you see?
1: Back then i i realised I realised how sick I was. It was never for me a need to get skinnier. It was I saw how sick I was. I I covered up a lot with clothes, but I saw someone that was worthless. Um, that really didn't offer anyone anything or what was the point in me actually being here? Um, and then the sicker you got, the more that compounded because then you also saw this, the stress that you were causing. Um, so it's a hard one when people say, you know, eat to get better and you're like, but I can, can, can see that it's not like I can see the destruction that I'm causing. And is that going to change? And, you know, if I get eat and get better, I'll be capable of doing things. But emotionally, I might not be capable. Um, so it's I think, not the cure. Eating no, it's not the
0: cure. Yeah,
1: eating needs to happen alongside all the other aspects of, um, you know, building your self confidence, going into situations you're unfamiliar with, but having having the skills to deal with those situations. And they can be as simple as going to a cafe and trying to order something off a menu and asking, you know, could I have almond milk instead of cow's milk type thing. And and just that seems so simple now, and I do it now. But back then it was like, I can't ask for something different. What They'll say no, or what gives me the right? Um,
0: so it, 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 it's like back then it was climbing a mountain, wasn't it? Oh,
1: yeah, back then too. It was like, <laughs> almond milk? What are you on about? Um, and it's the same thing, you know, when you go, when you start work and you have conflicts at work or um you know just in life in general you might have a different opinion and my way of dealing with that back then was to just shut down don't say anything um just basically disappear and I guess I was doing that physically as well
0: disappearing Nikki did you feel guilty uh about your parents or the people around you and the strain you could probably see that was that was in their lives because of this
1: absolutely I um so I have a mum and a dad and a brother that's four years younger, and I was fifteen at the time, so my brother was eleven when it kind of first started um and you could see the strain it was putting mostly on my mum to start with because um mum was the one that was mostly doing the cooking and um the the feeding so to speak, so my anger would always be directed at her um and then of course that affected. You know her relationship with my brother and my dad and then you could see wow. the strain and everyone just started to get a little bit angst um, and a little bit stressed and of course my brother really didn't know what was going on I mean if you don't want your burger I'll eat your burger type thing you know yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and then yeah it got quite it got very stressful I got quite sick and um, when I was 17 in my last year of school went to hospital quite a few times um and I really I don't remember much of kind of all that kind of time period for me is very much a blur because all I remember was just struggle. Just every day was a struggle to breathe, to hold your head up, to get through the day, Um, in and out of hospitals, seeing psychiatrists, seeing dieticians. Then I was lucky enough to, um, my parents found a place overseas in Australia. Um, which was a kind of an outpatient clinic, but I spent most of the day there. There was nothing like that in New Zealand, um, and they worked both on the eating as well as the kind of the emotional side as well together. Um, so it was an amazing facility. Um, so I was fortunate to go over there, but it was, that was about two years, and that was really tough for me in terms of I felt like I was splitting up my family because my mum and I went over there, and lived there while my dad and my brother stayed in New Zealand so wow. that, that that was tough for me seeing that split but um we're a super tight family and one of the things that we use to get through is humor so we can we can often um crack some silly jokes that to others are like how can you say that but we're very in tune with each other um yeah. so that was one of the things that um that got us through that time and even now, um, we're we're very tight. My brother only lives a kilometer away from me, so
0: yeah. We're we're yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it's amazing how something like that can either separate or bond. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear the bond is so strong with your family. That because that's part of your healing every day also to have that. Strength of the of the family. Understood. We're talking with Nikki Matthews from Auckland, New Zealand, Ironman athlete. She suffered from anorexia for 15 years. Nikki, that was there. I, I've heard both sides. Where. Someone could be in therapy and all of a sudden the the bell goes off. Oh, I know what I have to do to heal. But it's usually not like that, is it? It's, I wish a, there was a bell. <laughs> did anything go off for you?
1: Unfortunately not. I was, I've was. i heard that as well. And trust me, I was waiting for that for 15 years for a light switch to be turned on. I was like, when is that happening? Or like, has my bulb gone out? I'm not sure. Um, for me, it was literally just time. And that's, that's the hardest thing to tell a sufferer. Or a sufferer's family is there is no timeline. You can't put a timeline on it. It's literally testing and learning um, to go against what what the negative voice is telling you, or what your eating disorder is telling you is to test out those theories, learn from them, gain some self confidence, and move forward. And for me, that unfortunately took fifteen years. Um, but yeah, there's, there was no light switch. I don't even know can't even pinpoint you a time when I was, could say, Oh, that's it. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm well enough. It's, it's just a time.
0: What, what, what does your positive voice say to your negative voice when those negative thoughts come in
1: at the moment? Oh, so we're leading into race at the moment and my negative voice is very heightened as we lead in. So we're two weeks out from a race. And at, the, at this time, my voice is saying, um, First of all, I start comparing myself with other athletes. Then I look at myself and I say, "Well, I'm not running fast enough. I'm not biking fast enough. I'm going to be a loser. Everyone's going to laugh at me. Um, you know, everyone's going to think I'm a failure." Um, and so I have these like list of um, either mantras or sayings that I've learned from other people or listened to um, that kind of put things in perspective. And it's about um, a great one that I've learned is success and winning are two very different things and success for me can be something like, you know, nailing the nutrition or nailing the swim and then coming out and um, doing what I can on the, on the day with the legs that I've given to hit the watts on the bike, given the wind and seeing my family there on the finish line. Those are all success factors for me, whether I win the race or not, that's another That's a whole other thing. So I go out in a race, I play to win, but that doesn't determine my success. And so it's those types of things that I've write down, read, get it ingrained in my head. So when I start thinking negatively, I'm like, well, hold up. It's not about, it's not about if I get out on the bike and I can't hit those watts. what can I do in that moment to ensure I get to the next stage, which is the run? Focus on that, focus on nutrition. Um, I can't control what is happening around me. What I control at that point in time is my mindset. And that will be the biggest thing that will get me through that day. And that's what you learn, I guess, having gone through an eating disorder as it's all about the mind. It's the biggest muscle you have to train it to learn something different.
0: Nikki, you had a tough navigation in your teenagers and your 20s, and all of a sudden you get to your 30s and, and Nikki Matthews finds out that hey, this working out thing pushes demons away. Uh, it it and, and it progressed for you. As you know, I talked to Cameron Harper, our buddy, and who I announced yeah. with in New Zealand. He was talking about you showing up at the Wednesday runs, uh, you know, as a, a quote-unquote average athlete. Oh, yeah. And he goes, he goes, before you know it, she's out there talking smack and leading the group, you know. Seriously, <laughs> I would turn
1: up to those run squads and I would – I would literally go home from there, and sometimes I'd be in tears. I'm like, I am the <laughs> slowest in the group. I am awful. What everyone's probably like, what is she going to even manage an Man? And I guess the biggest thing for me is just learning that it's just patience and time and walking before you can run. You just got to stick at it, and then ne- yeah, next minute, like Cameron Harbour says, I'm turning up and able to to. <laughs> lead the boys out, which has always been my thing of like, oh, one day I want to be good enough to run with the boys or bike with the boys because they're pretty strong and they're pretty fast. Um, and that's more of a success factor than actually winning any race is just, you know, beating the boys to the top of the hill or keeping with them on a run. And um, you can't, all of a sudden you're, you're there and you're like, oh yeah, I actually didn't notice
0: yeah. the progression. <laughs> You didn't notice. I tell you what, they noticed. No, they <laughs> <laughs> They're going. What the heck is going on here? Yeah. So support group support is is so important. You've got you know a great uh, partner and yeah. and Damon. You got Rob Delamore. You know your your coach. Uh, and by the way, say hi to the boys for me if you wish. <laughs> as uh, I <laughs> pass them. <laughs> as you pass them, but. Uh, uh, that, that support group is so important and you see that as part of your therapy, don't you?
1: Oh, 100%. When I, when I started out, um, the support group was so important to me because you're going into something so unknown and you want people who are welcoming and who, regardless of your ability, will kind of bring you in and show you the ropes and um, have you alongside. And as you progress in the sport, those people become more important. Because you start to deal with other things in the sport, um, you know your mental ability going into a race, or you know how you're feeling on a particular day, and so having people that have gone through it can go, "Hey, yeah, I know exactly how you're feeling," um, but you just need to take some time out. You need to step back and realize this is not you. This is this is everyone who participates in this sport feels this way at this moment. So take a deep breath, and then move on. Um, So it's super important to have people in your life that understand you and whether that's your coach, your, your, you know, the people you train with your partner, um, my family, my family still turn up to my races, even at this age.
0: Um,
1: I mean, even an Ironman, you might see them at a pub or eating an ice cream at the side of the road, but they're there. Um, so it's immensely hey, important you to and I, me. You
0: and I both. You and I both wish we could do that at an Ironman.
1: <laughs> I always remember on my first Ironman, I think it was three laps at that stage, and yeah. um, the first lap I saw my mum and my dad, and they waved. The second lap, I'm like, "Where are they? They're not in the same spot." Oh no, they're yelling at me from the bar across the road. And then the <laughs> third lap, she's eating an ice cream, going, "See you at the finish line." I'm like, oh, nice for some." <laughs>
0: as it should be. You might as well, you know, Iron Man's hard enough. Sometimes the family make it a little bit harder. That's okay. Yeah. Nikki, when someone goes through a period of their life with an addiction or an affliction, it seems to kind of define them. Mm -hmm. You know, well, she was the one that did this. He was the one that had that, you know, that thing. How have you worked through the years of trying to redefine yourself?
1: Um, I think for me it was never – I'm not afraid of saying I've had an eating disorder, but it's definitely not something I introduce myself with. It is something that um, will show that I have the strength and stamina to persevere, that I am determined, and it's those, um, I guess, qualities that I've got out of having an eating disorder that I use to my advantage. And going forward um, – I'm very lucky to work um, in a workplace that understands my passion. And so when I explain to them, you know, I have big goals, um, you know, for this year, this is what they are. And I explain how important it is to me. They they buy into that. And I think it's the fact that they also see that show through in my, my work and my work ethic at work as well, that I am very passionate about doing the best that I can, whether that be in work or um, on you know, in training or on the, on the race, in the race. And it's that dedication and and passion that I bring to things that I see as a challenge and I don't, I don't back down. Um, I tend to somehow get some joy out of (laughs) this.
0: Yeah. You you know, when you, when you go into sport and you do whatever sport, you know, you, you learn stuff constantly. Yeah. What do you, what do you think triathlon and Ironman has taught you Nikki uh, about life?
1: Um it's taught me so many things. It's taught me, firstly, um to take what I do seriously, but not to take myself seriously. So um I will, you know, put in a lot of effort and a lot of work and I'll give my race a hundred percent of my effort. But that doesn't mean that if I fail, so to speak, in the race, that I am a failure. Um, it means that it's a learning and it's a step forward to success. Um, It's also taught me patience. I am not a patient person. Um, I'm kind of like, well, I want to get to that race pace now or I want that result now at work. And um, how do I get there as soon as possible? And I've learned that you just have to be patient. And like I said, you have to walk before you can run. Um, and I'm, I'm still learning that as well. Um, and one of the other biggest things is that I have to give myself permission to fall forward. And by that, I mean I have to give myself permission to take a risk. And that doesn't mean oh I'm not going to – for instance, I've been um, invited to enter as a pro for the next ringer race. And – that has a lot of fear around me. I feel like I don't belong. I'm I don't train like a pro in terms of the hours. I work a full time job. I train as much as I can out of it, um, and I feel, you know, a little bit out of my a lot out of my depth. But if I don't take the chance now, I will never have the opportunity again to be placed in a pressure situation, get to start with the pros in a swim. And there's no way I'll be able to keep up. I just I don't have their swimming ability. So it'll be a race of a whole different mindset of just being on your own, and being with your thoughts and how you're going to play the next move. So um, it's it's having that giving yourself that permission to take some chances um, without the fear of failure, which fear of failure sits quite quite close to my heart. So I'm, I'm
0: learning to work through that. Yeah. So you are going to race as a pro for the port? Yeah, I
1: did. I managed, I was allowed last year to do that as well. They have, I guess it's like wildcard entries. If you meet a certain criteria, um, they invite you, would you like to race as a pro? And, um, I came fourth last year in the pro field. So I'm back this year to give it another shot, which who knows at my age, it may be my last, but again, I don't like to pin my age on anything. So we'll see what
0: happens. Yeah, <laughs> I got a feeling. I got a feeling it'll never be your last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know the other uh, distinct feeling I have is I believe you're probably a, vehemently opposed when people talk, especially women, about race weight.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, you know to to lose the weight to get faster. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that process and and why you think that's. Such a bad thing.
1: Um, I think it's a a bad thing. I'll take a step back and um, give some context about why. Um, So about a year ago, um, I went through the same thing. Um, Everyone was talking about race weight. Um, Everyone was like, um, and it's not just women, it's men as well. It's a very prevalent thing because in the world of triathlon, we talk a lot about numbers, whether it's watts per kilo on the bike, whether it's speed, whether it's pace, um, there's it's a lot of focus around numbers and we like to analyse it because that's where we can see opportunities for improvement. Um, and I understand that. Um, and when it comes to race weight, there is, I guess, for many people, a, a weight at which they have raced with in the past that works the best for them. And so it becomes a predetermined figure in their mind that I must be this weight to get the best outcome. Um, and I got caught in that situation um, and I think the reason I got caught in it is obviously not only because of my background of um, your kind of weight being a thing, but it was the number that I could move on the dial that had the greatest, um, that I could move the best. So, for instance, in, in terms of watts per kilo on the bike, it takes a lot of effort to increase your power output um, to move that watts per kilo number. But if you lose weight, if you use a couple of kilos, boom that might only take a few weeks, but you've moved that number. But there becomes a point where you lose too much weight and you start either getting sick or injured or you can't push the same power. And so I think in our sport, um, and I've heard it lately because, like I see we're, we're two weeks out from a race and I've heard it a lot from our coaching group and people that I train with and things online about I'm nearing race weight, I'm feeling, you know, like I'm almost there or... Um, and or what do I, you know, I'm I'm skipping breakfast because I want to try and reach my race weight. And it and I get angry with it because I'm like, you're not setting yourself up for success. You need to set yourself up for success and you need to fuel for your training and you need to fuel for a recovery as well. And this sport gives us so much. Um, and we learn so much from it that I I hate people seeing putting themselves in jeopardy because I've been down that hole and it's horrible and it takes a while to get out of it. And uh, when I was in it, I did lose weight. And I got comments at that time about you look fit. And I was like, in, in my head, I was like, I might look fit, but I f- feel like crap. Um, because I am really struggling to to hold this weight. Um, and you might say I look amazing, but I certainly don't feel it. Um, so I went down that hole for a while and then I reached out to a nutritionist and um, got some help around that. And the funny thing is, I'm actually eating a lot more now than I was then, but I feel better, and people say I look great, which is not all about how I look, but it's like, it's two dichotomies. It's like, people might say one thing, you look great, but you feel crap. Um, But when you eat well, and someone says that, you're like, yeah, because I'm fueling myself, and I'm fueling myself for my activity, um... And I just want to see people get the best out of themselves. So when they say things like, I haven't reached my race weight or I'm not at race weight yet, I'm like, right at this point in time, that's the number you don't need to focus on. Mm-hmm. What you need to focus on is, are you fueling for the race that's coming up and the, or the, the workout you have today? Because if you're not, you're going to get, end up getting sick in the long term or injured, and it's all been because of a number on a scale which at the end of the day
0: won't determine your success. Everyone, we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US Series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel, roll on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. Shop the Active lineup on Amazon today for the support you need to find your finish line. We're talking with Nikki Matthews from New Zealand and uh, accomplished age group athlete, racing pro at Porto Toronga. I, I love it. Uh, Nikki, when you... Uh, and this is the last thing we'll talk about the race weight thing. But when you see somebody going down that hole, so to speak, can that be a prelude to anorexia? Can that be something that mentally will, will uh, kind of take them out of, out of their balance because they're doing something like that?
1: I think there are two very, um, the line is very blurred, but there is eating disordered, and disordered eating. And for me, eating disordered comes with the mindset of, you know, I'm not good enough, and a whole lot of other emotional things that go with it that lead you down a hole that you require um, not only dietitian or nutritional support with, you you probably need some psychology, psychologist support here. And then there's disordered eating, which is people that follow a fair diet or talk about race weight and try and drop weight because they've thought of a number and maybe don't have all the psychological baggage that goes with it, um, and so these people, I think, are less predisposed to becoming and eater- disordered, but but could vary. The line is, like I said, so blurred, so they could very easily s- s- go to the other side. Um, so when I hear people talk about race, well, I do get nervous because I'm like, a don't put my judgment on them about um, you know if they're going to get s- sick or not. What I do say is, please just fuel for your training. Um, that, that number is irrelevant. If you're fueling for your training and you're doing the training, the weight, if it needs to, will will come off. And if it doesn't need to, it won't. It will make sure you're strong and healthy for your race.
0: So, you know, you, you always should try to look for that silver lining and everything <laughs> And the last two years has been, you know, lack of better word, shit. I mean, it's just it's been tough on all of us and, and, but you in New Zealand, it's like, you know, you're an island on your own and, and uh, with the borders closed and people not being able to come in
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, on the silver lining side, did, were you able to use that as a time to where, okay, I, I, let me find out what my strengths and weaknesses are. and, in, in the sport and running and, and cycling and swimming. And, and did you get the opportunity to work on that a lot because of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, it, it was actually quite hard. For, um, I'm sure for many people, for us, um, New Zealanders, it was like my partner and I would train for races and I would, I was actually training for Kona and then borders got shut. And so that, you kind of peep for the race and then it gets pulled away. And then we peaked for another race and then that got pulled away. So we did a lot of building and then no racing. So that takes its mental and physical toll. Um, but there was one thing that both my partner and I agreed on, that it was the training that actually got us through because there was consistency. There was um, an outlet for us. It was ability to build on the basics um, and incorporate back in, we have a home gym that we have some weights and stuff, so incorporate that kind of training back into our day, um, which is, I think, another super important thing for triathletes if, if you want to do it long term is, is to build in that strength training. Um, yes, yeah, so we'd be down in the garage um, doing some of that kind of stuff and then building the skills on the bike. I also um, took the opportunity to develop a new bike position, which I'm um, kind of glad that I did because it took a while to get used to it. So um, yeah, there's there's definitely there's always silver linings, but when you're in it, it's hard to find it. When you um hindsight will show you it.
0: Well, Nikki, you you have so much experience, and yeah, we're still learning. And but but I, I can imagine to for you to be able to pass it on to help others out. Are you, do you have the opportunity to talk to? young teenage girls or boys about anorexia? Are are you able to speak to groups and try to help some people that were in your situation?
1: Yeah, I've done, um, so I've done a couple of podcasts. Um, It's funny, it's it's definitely a topic that a lot of people still, um, there's a little bit of shame around it. So there's not a lot of openness. So it's, um, I think it's about breaking those down first. Um, But, yes, I have done a a couple of podcasts. I've been on um, the news here in New Zealand. (laughs) So um, I think for me the start of it is just um, opening up the conversation that it's okay to talk about it and it's not shameful and then um, we we can build those conversations. But, like I said, that's why I'm I'm not afraid to say I've had an eating disorder and I still, still struggle mentally so that if people hear that story and want help, they can reach out to me. I'm always available to offer advice, or if I don't know the answer, I can point them in the right direction or share experiences. And sometimes that's all it takes is just to go, ah, okay, someone understands me and what I'm going through, um, and that you're not alone.
0: Yeah, I want to, and we'll get that information at the end of the show so we can let everybody know if they can uh, contact you and yeah. and uh, for any, any advice and things like that. Uh, what does your... The, the 2022 season, look, are you, are you going to do, uh, Ironman New Zealand or I know you're doing port.
1: Yeah. So I'm doing the port of Tauranga and then decided not to do Ironman New Zealand. So that was the funny story last year was, um, I wasn't supposed to do it either. Um, it, <laughs> I was in for the half. I
0: was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was in for the half. So, um, it got postponed due to COVID and once it got postponed, my coach says, I think it might be your only chance. Um for a race this year so why don't you switch up and do Ironman um which was a good call in the end because I ended up winning age group um overall so um (laughs) but um so this year I've decided fingers crossed nothing gets in the way the big plan is um half Ironman New Zealand and then pop over to Cairns um so I've never done an Ironman overseas other than Kona um so that that sounds a bit odd but um So I'm hoping to do Cairns and then after Cairns, um, Kona, um, in October
0: in, in in October. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you qualified at the Ironman New Zealand race in 2019 for Kona. Did you ever think that was going to be an option for you?
1: (laughs) I, I never, ever went into a race ever thinking I would ever get to Kona. Um, to be honest, I always thought that I'd have to wait till I was in the seventy to eighty year old age group when there were less competitors
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I might get a chance. You know how many people? You know how many people have said that to me, Mike? I got to be seventy five for I get. Then I go, have you seen the seventy five year olds times? <laughs> that,
1: know, they're that. freaking tough, those guys. <laughs> yeah, well.
0: unbelievable.
1: And then I, I saw, I've seen them, and I'm like, I wonder if I could still be doing that at seventy no, five. I don't know, know like. Um, so no, it was, it was never, ever in my dream. My dream has always been just to be the best that I can be and whatever that is on the day, I need to play that card. Um, and that's what I'll continue to do. Um, see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do you, uh, uh, live by a philosophy that you talk to yourself about every day?
1: (laughs) Um, I talk a lot of shit to myself every day. Um, (laughs) I think I'm trying, I'm a, my partner describes me as a glass half empty and he's the glass half full. So we make a great team because I'll as often. A team, yeah. Yeah, as a team, we work together well because I'll often look at a situation and be like, oh, and he's like, yeah, but. Um, so I'm learning to look at situations instead of automatically going, oh, to go, hang on, oh, now I see it. Um, so it's definitely something every day that I um, need to continue to do, to be, um, you know, go to bed every night and be grateful, Um, you know, pick a few things that you're grateful for that day and then carry that into the next morning. So you wake up going, this is, you know, I'm excited about today rather than, you know, what it has been in the past is where I hope I don't wake up today.
0: Yeah. Um, The, and as you know, the, triathlon family the Ironman family worldwide is really really one because no matter if you live in New Zealand or Germany or Australia or the U.S. you know the the training the goals everything is the same yeah so our age groupers have uh, you know the last two years like all of us have been going through a lot of tough stuff what what advice would you give them if you're standing in front of all the age groupers in the in the world what, what advice would you give them
1: I would say that you need to just keep working on your goals because the goalposts may have moved, but your goals haven't. So if you still want to be the best you can be at a swim, a bike, or run, or just at a certain time, then that goal should still be there. It's just the goalposts have moved. So you now have more time to get get there. So it's actually a a kind of almost a blessing in disguise in terms of you have more physical time to get there. And mentally you've now got through a very hard period of, you know, having no races and putting in the hard work and not getting the chance to display that. So mentally you're, you're just building strength. You're building, you're building. And that's what I have to tell myself as well. It's been a hard two years but come race day, I'm going to celebrate that race day. And I'm, when it gets tough, I'm like, it's going to be tough for four or five hours on in a half. It's been two years. So I can get through five hours, you know, pull it together.
0: Exactly. I, 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 love that. What do you, what do you think our sport could do, Nikki? What do you think our sport could do better, uh, than it's doing right now to improve it?
1: Um, I see, I'm really enjoying the kind of the woman for try movement and trying to get more women into try and more diversity as well. Um, And for me, it's just, it's kind of promoting those movements. Um, And a lot of people see the sport as extreme or something they couldn't accomplish. And for me, it's just, it's, it's even starting with the very small races showing that you can do something, but it's more about not necessarily... The, the physical execution of it, but what else you gain from it, the confidence you gain from being able to do something that you thought was impossible. Um, so it's getting those new people in and getting people who thought they never could do something like that. Um, and, of course, this sport is super expensive as well um, in terms of, um, you know, if you want to move through, you need shoes, you need a wetsuit, you need a bike. So, um, you know, getting those kind of tools available for people would be awesome to have. Kind of, you know, a, a charity or some kind of sponsorship to give people the ability to give it a go.
0: Yeah, I think because we, it, it, we all know it. it. As soon as you get them in, as soon as they put that toe into the water, so to speak, they're hooked. Yeah, uh, it, it, it just hooks people. It, it draws you in, and the camaraderie yep. socially and working out. It, it, uh, it's just a matter of getting them in. That's that's yeah, for it sure. Is. <laughs> so on. On Find Your Finish Line, my last question always revolves around what I call tri-table racing. Mm-hmm. This comes out of table racing, and that's what the Baja 1000 uh, racers in their cars down in Mexico, yep. <laughs> they, they get together after the race, and they reminisce about what went on on the race. And they're long races. They're like yeah, you know, They're yeah. 24 hours. And uh, I call it tri-table racing. So reminisce with us about an event or something that happened at an event, Good or bad, funny or sad, whatever it may be, but just try table race with us right now.
1: Oh, I think um, it's, it's funny when people, you know, ask about your, your racing and what you did. I don't even remember my times. It, it's not about times, but what I will well, remember. Away...
0: Yeah, hey, everybody. She doesn't <laughs> remember her times. She's <laughs> gone. She She went 10, what? Ten oh nine in Kona, so Something like I'd remember. That, yeah. <laughs> I'd remember ten oh nine. It's
1: funny, the race that I remember is the last one because obviously the the memory of the pain and what you go through is still is still there, but also it's closer, the very yeah. it's closer. But also the very first race, and um, uh, that's that's a kind of a memory because you go into that like anyone going. I don't think I can actually finish. What's going to happen on the day? And I was super nervous about the swim and I got through the swim and I was like, oh, I got, and I was looking around like, hey, I got through the swim Um, and then got to the bike. And my biggest fear on the bike was um, drafting and getting a flat tire and I'd practice for ages getting a flat tire and what to do. I had instructions in my pocket because, you know, when you're in a panic situation, I'm like, I'm just going to lose it and I'm blonde. So I'm going to be a blonde <laughs> on the side of the road going, help. And I like, don't want to be that person. So I had instructions. Um, I was fully prepared, didn't get a flat. So that was slightly disappointing because I was fully prepared for that one. So you had
0: wait, you had instructions in your pocket to take out and go. Okay, this is how I fix a flat.
1: This is like a ten-step process. I need to write levers. I need to number two is this because I knew I would just probably panic. And um, to be honest, that's good. Um, I still have that, so I take it on every race. It's just move. I've just made the steps a bit shorter because I know one day it's going to happen. Touch what it doesn't happen in Tauranga, but it's going to happen. I'm going to panic and I'm going to need
0: those instructions. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that you're still carrying the instructions around. Oh, it's my <laughs> me, life instructions. The, the next time we're together, I got to see those. Oh. <laughs> they're probably all crumpled up. In
1: I, I sellotape them so they're laminated. So if I sweat on them, we're good.
0: <laughs> I love it. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. no,
1: and then I just remember getting, getting through that. That was awesome. And I, I got to the, um you know, changing um into run gear. And normal people just put on their shoes and start out on the run. I was like oh, I I need to put some shorts on because I don't want to be running in my tights because everyone will see my bum. So I had no idea what was going through my head, but I basically did a full change um, because it was all about how, you know, I didn't want people laughing at me and I went out on my run. And, I I, yeah, I don't know why I did that. And then um, all I remember on that run is at one point I was almost in tears telling my mum when I passed her, I am in so much pain. And I remember her saying, well, why don't you stop? And I just looked at her and I was like, what are you talking about? And then just ran on because in my mind I was like, I might be in pain, but I'm not stopping and I am not quitting. Like (laughs) this is what I trained for. This is what I paid for. This is what I came for. It's exactly what should be happening. I just don't like it.
0: Um, oh, you know that's a mum thing that's okay <laughs> that's okay
1: and then yeah that finish line was the best thing ever it, it's the one that'll stick in your mind for life um running that red carpet fortunately I was slow enough to have no one around me at that point <laughs> I do remember that time um, which was 11 hours 25 for my first Ironman and then the voice yep your voice that is like the one thing that everyone dreams of Sorry, it's odd, but to be called across the line and be told you're an Iron Man is like the emotion, and you see that in people as they come across the line, accomplishing something that they never thought possible. It all just happens on that red carpet.
0: It 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 really does. It's a it's a special piece of real estate yeah. that lasts a lifetime, and it does. The good thing about that, and and I'm sure this is what you are. Nikki, you're an influencer. And when someone like yourself comes from where she you where you have come from, uh and doing what you do today, I, I hope you realize how much of an influence you are to many, many people out there.
1: I just always remember when I when I hit the red carpet, I remember being told, look, um, you probably never walk again and you're probably gonna die. And now I'm running <laughs> down the red carpet going, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um Think I'm stronger than anyone thinks I am, and possibly stronger than I think I am myself.
0: You are. You are strength. There's, there's no doubt about that. And your personal relationships today, compared to what they were like when you were in your Mm twenties, it's got to be night and day.
1: Completely. Like, um, I have a very supportive partner. He's as crazy as I am in terms of his love for the sport, and you know, the getting up at five a.m. every morning to train before you go to work and coming home tired and training again and cramming things in and you know your your family um fully my family fully understands it so if they have an event or a party or a birthday it's always like, yep, Nikki come when come when you finish training. Um so it's um it's amazing and the friends that I have now, um all of them are actually from the Tri world because I entered that world kind of with no real friends at that point because I'd, I've come out of treatment, just started back in the world, so to speak. Um, and that's how I built my friendships is through, through triathlon. And they that's, are people that go through a lot with you. So they will always be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they will. Uh, that's, that's the strength of those relationships. And I am, uh, happy you found them. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, Nikki Matthews, thank you very much for being on Find Your Finish Line. Uh, your story is so inspiring and I hope people listen to this and and can be inspired by it because you know there's there's ones out there that are looking in the mirror right now and they're not liking what they see. So Nikki, I'm, I'm glad your message, message is out there. And everybody, thank you for Joining me again for another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activize, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. Uh, If you like the podcast, you know, give us a review. You can find us on Apple, my website, MikeReilly.net. And always keep in mind, everybody, you are the cause of so many of your experiences. So keep them positive and watch how they get you to your next finish line. Aloha, everyone.